There's a bell. There's a bell? Yeah. Okay. Well, good deal. We'll yeah. kick you out, we promise. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I would like to begin, um, if you haven't gotten a piece of paper, ask for one if you came in late. What we are going to do today, I have, I'm, I'm just going to admit it out loud, I stole it from a guy named Chip Ingram, who is a preacher in California. Um, really, a half preacher and half psychologist kind of a person. And he does a really great series. You can get it on video. It's called Positive Parenting in Positive Parenting in a Negative World. Um, but a really great series. And what we're going to do today is the first two sessions of his video series. And we're going to start out today in Proverbs 22. seen some really great kids come from some really sorry parents. And I have seen some really sorry kids come from some really great parents. In general, I do believe if you train your kids, they turn out pretty well. But in specific cases, there are times that you just shake your head and you don't understand why things turned out the way that they did. And the best example I can give you for that is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were God's children, he raised them, he came to the garden, he talked to them every night, and they still didn't listen to him. Okay, so if God made imperfect children, then when your children don't act perfectly, you can just assume it's their fault. Okay? That's a good place to start from, isn't it? Uh-huh! But I do believe that if we train our children, we do end up with better children. And so I'm going to give you some tips today on how to do that. And I want to start out with, on your paper, positive parenting begins with a goal and clear-cut objectives. As a parent, when you leave the hospital, they should give you a little book that says, these are your goals and this is how you get from here to there. Objectives are road marks along the way, okay? If you're going to go from here to California, nobody just starts driving west and hopes they end up there. Okay. When I was younger, we used to get a map and we used to look at it. And I think everybody in this room is old enough to remember maps. When I talk to young people, they don't know what a map is. And, but we used to look at a map and we would plan how we were going to get from here to California. And you go to Amarillo, and then I'm going to take this turn, and then I'm going to go to Rio Dosa, and I'm going to take that turn. And nowadays we have a phone. 
we never think about it ahead of time, but the home tells us when to turn. But those are your objectives. Think of California as your goal, and your objectives are to turn along the way. And everything we do as a parent, what is our goal? Get our kids to heaven. Get our kids to heaven. Get us to heaven and our kids. Take us and our kids to heaven. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great goal. You know, if we remembered everything we did runs through the filter of, is this going to get my kids to heaven? I think we make pretty good choices. Right? What are our objectives along the way? Our objectives are when we hit a bump or when we have to make a decision, which decision are we going to make individually each time? Okay? And individual thoughts, individual times that we're making those decisions is when we need to be prayerful, we need to use our spouse, we need to use our own thoughts instead of just reacting and turning without looking at what's ahead. Okay? Nowadays with the phone, we don't look at the map and see whether the phone is right or not. We don't check our GPS. But that's what we should do. Okay? If you're old enough to remember when they had the cool little GPS that sat on your dashboard and it told you where to go and you had to download maps and if you didn't download the maps it would tell you wrong things, I had one of those and a map at the same time because I didn't trust that GPS. Okay? I knew how to get to Albany. And if it told me how to get from Grand to Olney, I would believe it. But if I was going somewhere I didn't know, I had a map too. Okay. Nowadays, we tend to, in our society, just make a decision and go. And we don't think about the consequences. And I will tell you, almost every example in life, you are either going to go where you want to go long term, or you're going to do what you want to do short term. But they don't go together. Okay, think of I want to be skinny, but I like cake. Am I going to eat my cake and eat that, or am I going to be skinny and not eat my cake? But you got to choose between the two. You can't have both. Does that make sense? With your kids, the easiest choice is always going to be just ignore it and hope they learn from their mistakes. Always. But in the long run, that's the worst decision that you can make. Okay. You're much better talking to your kids and dealing with that problem now than you are letting it go. Okay? So, number one on your sheet is the principle of holiness. And that comes from Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 confuses me a little bit. But what it says is, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. I don't really want to do a speech on predestination, okay? So we're just going to change those words because that makes my speech a whole lot shorter. The people that God loves, he decided that they should be conformed to the likeness of his son. Okay? We're not talking about eternal salvation. The ones that he predestined are the ones that he called. The ones that we are today, the Christian people. And for those people, God wants us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And that is the principle of holiness. Okay? 
when God talks about holiness, what he says is he is holy and we are supposed to be holy like him. Does anybody know what holiness means? Holiness means perfection. Holiness means sinless. Holiness means we make the right decisions every time. Okay? So how many of us are holy? Just make, oh, okay, I got one other? Good. I thought it was None of us are holy, right? But God wants us to be holy. And how do we do that? We do that, number one, through grace. And do that, number two, through we try to be the people that God wants us to be. Okay? We're never going to get there. We're never going to be successful in reaching that destination. But that's always where we're looking on the map. Holiness is California. Does that make sense? Not really. No. Not really. No. <laughs> Y'all are still asleep. Or I'm not near as funny as I usually am. And I know I'm funny. <laughs> but that is where our goal is. And God's dream for us is completely different than the world's dream for us. Okay? The world's dream for you and for your children is that you will be rich and you will be happy. That's the two things the world will tell you you should do. And when we talk to our kids that are high school age and we ask them, what are you going to do after you get out of school? The right answer is always what? I'm just going to go to college. I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief. One of the three. Mm -hmm. I chose Indian Chief. That's really a good job, you know? But at Evelyn Christian, they don't have a lot of Indian classes. It's tough to get a degree in Indian Chief, and so I had to go into psychology. But it would have been my choice if we'd have had it. But that's the world's vision of success, isn't it? Is money and happy. And we buy into it as Christians because we hear it every day. It gets drilled into us. What is God's dream for us? God's dream for us is to be holy. Holy doesn't always equal happy because short-term and long-term don't go together. Okay? I'm happy when I eat cake. I'm happy when I don't have to work. I'm happy when things are easy. But that doesn't make me holy. And if I take the easy path, I don't end up at the destination that I want to end up at. So God's dream for us is for us to be holy. And that's hard work. Okay? 1 Peter 1, 14. I want to read it real quick. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Okay? 
Does that sound like what the world would tell us to do? To be self-controlled? To depend on grace instead of depend on yourself? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. To be obedient? The world would tell you, you make your own choices and you set your own path. It's not obedient. And to do not conform to the evil desires that you have when you live in evil. And our world tells us today, you get to do what you want to do. If you don't live for today, then you're wrong. And you do what you want to do when you want to do it, and you just deal with it later. Okay? Many years ago, I kind of understood this when I went through a McDonald's. Okay? Now, you got to remember, I'm kind of old, and McDonald's was kind of a cool thing. At one point, we didn't eat fast food every day. And my parents did not take us out to eat. We went home and ate, and it was really kind of weird compared to what we do today. But I went through a McDonald's one time when I first got my driver's license. This is, God, that's 62 years ago? No, not really. That was funny. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was about 30 years ago. I went through McDonald's, and I got to the little speaker where you talk and I told them my order and I pulled up to the window and the woman said I'm sorry we're out of fries you're gonna have to wait oh, oh how long am I gonna have to wait and this woman looked me square in the eye and said it'll be a minute and 20 seconds before the fries come in a minute and 20 seconds I was gonna have to wait <clears throat> that's pretty short term self-indulgent kind of an attitude when you have to apologize because you're going to have to wait a minute and 20 seconds. My mama never apologized for a minute and 20 seconds on something. Okay? She did tell me to sit down and be quiet. But she never said, I'm sorry, I should have had this ready when you walked through the door. But that's what we are taught in our society today. And if we don't get what we want within a minute and 20 seconds, then somebody owes me an apology. No, it's kind of crazy what the world's dream is. And I will tell you, holiness probably is not attainable, but the world's dream is not attainable either. You are not going to do what you want to do when you want to do and be happy and be wealthy. If you want to be wealthy, you're going to work hard. And you're going to save your money, and you're going to have some self-discipline and not do the things you want to do. Okay? I don't sell animals, by the way. I won't tell you you can get rich quick. I will tell you that if you want to get rich, you have to spend time and effort to do that. And it's not easy. But what the world will tell you is it is easy. And if you don't get it easy, then it's someone else's fault. And you should be apologized to, and you should feel sorry for yourself. Point number two, positive parenting demands that we practice what we preach. And this is called the principle of modeling. Anybody ever heard of modeling? Yeah? Albert Bandura? Modeling? If you've ever been in any psychology class, you've heard of Albert Bandura. Albert Bandura was the coolest study that I've ever heard on psychology because he had this little bobo doll and it was like the little clown that you blow up and you punch it and it falls over and then it comes back up. Y'all remember that when you were a little kid? Those were awesome. 
Uh -huh. What he did was he got a group of kids and he told those kids to be nice to the bubble dog. And then he showed them some adults. And some of the adults were being nice to the bobo dog. And some of the adults got a baseball bat and beat the snot out of the bobo dog. And then he turned the kids loose in the room with the bobo dog. <coughs> and what do you think happened? They had to turn back too. Mm -hmm. The kids that saw the nice parents were nice to the bobo dog. They were told to be nice and they were shown to be nice. The kids that saw the parents hit the bobo dog with a baseball bat, but were told to be nice, didn't listen to what they were told. They didn't listen to what they saw, really. They got the baseball bat, but that got boring, and so they jumped on the bobo doll, and they did ten times worse to the bobo doll than what they had seen, because we learn from what we see. We don't learn from what we hear. One of our big problems in school is our teachers stand up and talk to us, but they don't show us. And we learn more from doing things and watching people do things than we do from talking about doing things, okay? And so modeling is the key if you want to be a good parent. And modeling depends on what do we practice, not what do we preach. The principle of modeling is Luke 6, 39. Jesus also told him this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. <laughs> Jesus, when he came and picked out the apostles, what did he do? Did he talk to them? No. What did he say to them? He didn't speak to them, but that, he didn't give speeches to them. He said, come follow me. Okay. The multitudes he gave the speeches. But when he's serious about these 12 men are going to carry my word and they're going to fulfill what I need fulfilled, he said, follow me and do what I do. And that's where we learn how to parent is we tell our kids, follow me and do what I do. Which means everything you do needs to be on purpose. Okay. But what do we do when we when we mess up? What do we do when we do something we don't want our kids to? Well, somebody's gonna answer that. I know there's been one parent in here that made a mistake somewhere along the way, right? You apologize for it? And what was back there? I said, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, you tell them to do as I say, not as I do. Have you ever apologized to your kids? <laughs> that would ruin them, wouldn't it? Then they would know we're not perfect. My kids still think I'm perfect. I've got a 22 and a 19-year-old. And they think I'm perfect. Wait, I heard a uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is that what I heard? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you've ever had a 22-year-old, they don't think you're perfect from birth to 22. Did you know that? If you have a two-year-old, I don't think they think you're perfect. They will tell you no sometimes <laughs> when they're two. Uh-huh. When they get to junior high, they don't tell you anything. They just see whether they get taught or not. When they get to high school, they roll their eyes at you. I have two daughters. If you have sons, I'm sure they don't do this. But you know what daughters do when they get to high school? So, okay, Dad. And then they do whatever they want to do. <laughs> My daughters rolled their eyes at me because they knew I was not perfect. Now, I hope when they get out of college, they'll be smart enough to learn that I am perfect and that they should listen to me. Mm -hmm. But they know you're not perfect already. Okay? If you will admit, I'm not perfect and I mess up and I'm sorry, what your kids will learn is when they mess up, they should admit it and they should say they're sorry and they should try to do better. If you don't model honesty, then your kids are going to quit listening to what you say. Does that make sense? The best thing you can do with kids is show them I admit it when I make a mistake. And I own up to it and I take responsibility for it. Okay? Not every time they tell you you're wrong because they're not smart like us. But when we do mess up, the best thing you can do is tell your kids I messed up and I'm going to do better, and then actually do better. If you say it and don't do it, they're going to watch what you do and not what you say. Does that make sense? Did I get that sentence right? That was hard. Mm -hmm. They're going to see what you do. They're not going to listen to what you say. That was the first day of Chip's program. Chip Ingram's program. And if I had one thing that I had to tell parents, I would tell them, do things on purpose and do the things you want your kids to do. Because that is probably the hardest thing to say to people that are raising kids. Okay? It's actually not very hard to say. That's not true. It's really hard to do. It's like budgeting money. If any of y'all need help budgeting money, I'm really good at budgeting money. You can bring me your income and you can bring me your bills and I can tell you where you ought to spend your money. I'm good at it. I'm not real good at following my own budget. But I'm really good at making someone else's budget because that's easy to say. It's easy to figure out. When you're doing it, it's hard. Okay? And so... I give you specific examples like apologize to your kids. I give you specific examples like we are going to get up and we are going to go to church on Sunday. Okay? That's a specific example of I decided, when I decided to have kids, that I was going to raise them in the church. And we were going to go almost every Sunday and almost every Wednesday. And I decided on purpose, we're not going to make every single church because I don't want my kids to think that's what it takes to get to heaven. And when we're on vacation, we may not go to church somewhere in New Mexico where we don't know anybody. But I'm going to teach my kids this is important because we are going to go almost every Sunday. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Those are the kind of things that you need to do on purpose. And then the second day of his seminar is what we call down there the parenting relationships. And this is the second thing, the second most difficult thing to grasp as a parent. But a picture of how God parents us is in 1 Thessalonians 2. Thessalonians chapter 2. And it starts out. Uh, I'll start in verse 10, really, instead of 11. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. That's Paul. Paul says, I was holy and righteous and blameless among you who a difficult thing to hear, isn't it? How many of us could say, I am holy and blameless and righteous? That's it. We already asked that question, didn't we? But Paul says that's how he acted when he was in Thessalonica. In verse 11, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. First oh. Thessalonians 2.7 I skipped over the mother part. Sorry. 2.7 says, But we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked day and night in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. What does he say? We treated you like a mother, and what did he do? Read some of those words. We were... Gentle, like a mother caring. caring, and we did what so much? Loved you. Loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives. Does that sound like a mom to you? Moms are gentle and caring and loving. Right. You know, if you think of good cop, bad cop, we need both good cops and we need bad cops. Okay? You're going to get a story out of somebody. You need a guy who's going to threaten that person and a guy that's going to be that person's friend. And hopefully they get really mad at this person that's being mean to them and they tell their friend what you want to know. That's how that works, okay? Sometimes they get really mad at this guy over here and they start to give him the information because they are afraid of him. And you need both of those parents in a child's life. Paul is very sexist, okay? And I will admit that right off the top. He's a sexist man, you know? And he will describe women very stereotypical and he will describe men very stereotypical. But he does. But in general, stereotypes are there because there's some truth 
in, in general, women are gentler than men, and women nurture kids more than men do. And kids need that. Okay? That's what he's saying in verse 7 and 8. Then in 10 and 11, he says, We also were like a father to you, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. What does that mean? Why would he pick those three words? Encouraging dads are like the cheerleaders at t-ball games. Okay? If you've ever seen a dad at a t-ball game, his little boy or his little girl hits a ball and it goes maybe three feet. It's not very far. And that dad is excited. And he's like, run, Johnny, run. Or Johnny runs to third base. And he's like, no, Johnny, don't run to third base. Run to first base. And we are cheering for those kids. It's like we're living vicariously through them. Okay? That is encouraging. And it says comforting. Dads ought to be the best at putting their arm around the kid when they lose the game and go, it's okay. We're going to get them next time. Don't worry about it. Don't give up. You made some mistakes. This is how we can fix them, but don't yell and scream and tell them they're stupid. And you need to be encouraging. But then the third one is urging. Anybody know what urging means? Prodding them off. Urging means I've cheered for you and I've talked to you, but now there's going to be something that happens if you don't do what I'm telling you to do. There's going to be some consequences. Okay? Urging is a word that means I'm going to do something if you don't do something. And we need to hear that in that sentence. Okay? Now, I will tell you, in my family, my wife was meaner than I am. She always has been. That's why I married her. It's because she's a mean woman. And she told me I should marry her. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so we got married. <laughs> okay? She is a much stronger disciplinarian than I am. And so I will tell you, sometimes these are dad things and sometimes these are mom things. But moms need to be urging our kids, especially if you have girls. You're their role model. Okay? <coughs> Dads sometimes need to be nurturing and sweet and caring. Okay? Don't read into that, this is my job as a man and a woman. But as parents, we need parents that are doing both of those things. I think God gave us men and women to be parents together because we need those two personalities. If you're always nurturing and loving and caring, your kids are full. Okay? If you're always urging and threatening and yelling, then your kids are not going to listen to you and they're not going to be your kids. So you don't need all of one. One is better than the other kind of an idea. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> the principle there is relationship. And the next sentence on there is, the stronger your relationship with your child, the more likely they will embrace your values and beliefs. Okay. The stronger that relationship is, the more they will do things like you do things. Does that make sense? Yeah? When you're little, when you're two, three years old, when you're little, what makes a child behave? 
What makes a kid listen and do what you tell them to do when they're little? I would hit you if you don't do what I tell you to do, right? You ever tried to sit down with a two-year-old and go, Johnny, it's not nice? It doesn't work. You ever sit down with a two-year-old and go, do not play with the little electric plug in the wall because you will get shocked and it will hurt you. Or don't touch the stove because it's hot and it'll burn you. And logically deal with your two-year-old. Have you ever tried that? Did it work? It doesn't. What works is I will swat your butt if you do what I told you not to do. And that's about it. Okay? Two-year-olds might respond to no. But they only do that if you have the deep voice. Did you hear the dad voice come out there? No. They might stop and go, whoa, what is that? It's still fear. Okay? <clears throat> when you're little, that's what works. But as you get older and older, what happens to that? As a kid, you learn if I don't get caught and I don't get punished, then it must be okay. Because I'm only afraid of getting in trouble. Does that make sense? If you overuse that fear, what you get in teenagers is sneaking. Okay? Nowadays, really, that's not high school. Because by high school, what happens to those kids is they look at you and go, I do whatever I want to do. Because I'm not scared of you. I'm as big as you are. You know? Y'all ever go to high school and walk around and look at kids? I hate going to junior high. I have to go to junior high sometimes and deal with kids, and they're bigger than me. I don't know what y'all put in the milk these days, but kids are huge now. And high school kids come in to talk to me and they're muscled up and they're big. And they look at me and go, I'm not scared of my dad. He's old. I can take him. And he tells me he will hook me if I do something. I'm, Whatever. We'll go do it just to show him I can do it. So you start out with fear, but you have to build respect. And if you don't have respect, by the time they get big, you have lost the battle. That's my battle. Whoa. Now you have five minutes left. Okay, but that's not much. <coughs> no, you got a lot to do. Y'all need a lot more help than I can give you in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the stronger your relationship with your child, the more likely they will embrace the values you do. The converse to that is true. The weaker your relationship with your child, the less <laughs> they will embrace your values. And the reason I tell you that is, in psychology, when you're studying statistics, they tell you correlation does not equal causation. Okay? That's a really big, impressive way of saying just because two things happen at the same time, one didn't cause the other. Okay? Just because I came over here today and there was much more people than Scott's ever had does not mean I'm a better teacher. Okay? They just happened at the same time. But if you can turn it around and the opposite happens, you pretty much know one thing calls the other, okay? If every time they say, Brian, come over, the crowd is huge, and every time Brian does not come over, the crowd is small, then you know Brian is the reason. Does that make sense? No? Okay, it does. It's a bad analogy because I know Scott's like the greatest preacher in the whole world. 
that doesn't really work in this example. But the reason that they give you both of those is it proves that your relationship affects your kids and how they act. <clears throat> Tension and stress and difficulties in parenting is normal. If you are not having parenting problems, what that means is you don't care enough and you're not good. Okay? If you are trying to be a good parent, then you're going to feel bad sometimes and you're going to wish that things turned out different and that means you care and you're doing a good job. So don't worry about that. The seven keys for building relationships that bond. We're going to go through real fast, and I promise I'll make it up during the sermon because I didn't think we'd get through this quick. But they are unconditional love. And unconditional love means I will not give up on you. It does not mean I will love you no matter what you do. Okay? My dad told me way early in my lifetime, if you ever go to jail, don't waste your one phone call on me because I'm not getting you out. And I believed it. Okay? I had no doubt in my mind that he would go, sorry, and leave me in jail because he loved me. And he would have made me learn from that not coming about me out. Okay? Unconditional love does not mean you always give your kids what they want. But it does mean that you don't give up on your kids when they mess up. Does that make sense? Scheduled time. And, and this means when you, when Scott called and asked me, could I teach today? You know what I did? I pulled out my phone because the phone has a calendar on it. And on my calendar, I put down what is important for me. Okay? Would you like to know when Baylor's graduation is this year? Because I can tell you, it's on my phone. Because I am not going to miss my daughter's graduation from college. Okay? I am not going to miss the things that are on that calendar because they're important. But if they're not on that calendar, hit or miss. Oh my going or might not. You know? You need on your calendar time that we are going to do things as a family. And it needs to be where somebody says, hey, Brian, you want to come to Ollie and preach? And you look on your calendar and you go, no, my kids are more important. I can't come that weekend. I can't do that business thing because I have to spend time with my family. That's my daughter's birthday. Does that make sense? If your kids don't see you do that, they will not believe you did it. Okay? They need to see you turn down some other opportunities to feel like they are important to you. Okay, they don't need to see you look at your phone. That's not what I mean. But they need to see you choose them over other things. And that builds a relationship. Focused attention. Look them in the eye and actively listen. Okay? Active listening means I give you some feedback. I look at you when you're talking, I nod my head. Like I'm listening to you, I might go, uh-huh. If you know me very well, I do, uh-huh, all the time. Because at work, that's what I do all day is go, uh-huh. I don't want you to quit talking, so I'm not going to say anything to interrupt you. But I don't want you to feel like nobody's listening, so I, uh-huh. And then I'll wait. And people will go, ooh, that was awkward. I'll just talk some more. And I'll go, uh-huh. And they'll go, ooh. Okay, maybe I should talk. And like the fifth thing, I'll go, okay, let me give you some feedback. Because now I've heard enough to have an opinion. But I don't just jump in and tell you what to do. 
and I don't interrupt you and tell you that I'm smarter than you. That's a relationship builder. Does that make sense? Um, just in case you want these, we'll do them. Four is ongoing communication. Five is meaningful touch. Six is have fun together. And seven is pray often. And I'll hit some more of those during the sermon. We'll catch you up. Thank y'all for being here.